Welcome. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to create and publish your podcast. It's free. That's right. It's free to download. It has built-in editing tools that allow you to record, edit podcasts from your cell phone or any smart device. Anchor also distributes your podcast on virtually any platform. And I'm so serious about this because I found out, Dr. Williams, that we were on Audible and I hadn't even sent them our RSS feed. So I don't know how it happened. It just happened. And I'm happy about it. So uh, like I said, Anchor distributes your podcast on virtually any platform that streams podcasts like Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Apple and Google Podcasts, and much, much more. You can even monetize your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor is your one-stop shop, your one-stop app for podcasts. And remember, it's free. Go to anchor.fm to create some amazing content. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Trigger One and Talk podcast. I'm your host, your fire medic CEO, LP. I got a very special guest back for part two of our discussion involving domestic violence, or DV for short, and ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. Dr. Tori Williams, EDD, not PhD, but she's working on that. I'm just calling it. I'm, I'm going to put it out there already, Dr. Williams. I'm just saying. I mean, it's the same thing. Like I said, there's really no difference. It just it just depends on where you're going. Um, I'm, I'm forever in education. I plan on staying in education. So I just went the EDD route because it's more impactful that way. Okay. Well, and we thank you for your service and your sacrifice with our babies because this is a very serious and very important topic. On the Trigger One and Talk podcast, we have uncensored conversation. We exchange information. There's no therapy done here, folks. So if you're looking for therapy, you need to go contact a mental health professional. Mm-hmm. We don't do therapy here. Now, right. And we provide a ton of resources to the listeners. So in all seriousness, if you are triggered at any point during this podcast or any of our episodes, immediately. If you need immediate help, call 911. That's EMS Fire Police. They're going to start the process to get you the help that you need because they're mandated reports. Mm-hmm. If you don't have an immediate need, but you need help anyway, like suicidal ideation or some behavior health concerns, call 988. That's the 911 number that the government set up nationwide here in the States uh, as of July 16th of 2022. 988. If you have issues with substance abuse, alcohol, or drugs, we have three numbers and websites for you. If you are supportive of someone with one or two of those issues, we have Al-Anon. If you have any alcoholic issues, we have AA. And if it's drugs, we have Narcotics Anonymous. We have those numbers in the websites, respectively. If you have issues with domestic violence or trafficking, we have those numbers and websites. And we also provide the number to an organization called RAIN, Rape, Abuse, Incest National Network. We have their information in every episode, in every show note for every guest that we have. And at the end of every episode, we cover a missing person case. That's right. 99% of them are melanated folks. I decided to do that because I want to bring more media attention and energy to the plight of those missing individuals. They can be a man, woman, child, whatever they identify as gender-wise, 
will provide that information. If they have not are not missing, but they died under mysterious circumstances, as we've done a number of cases uh, in that respect, Dr. Williams, I got an upcoming interview that we did one of those cases on. That's going to be powerful. That's I'm not going to even say who it is, but we covered that young lady's case and that's going to be coming up in a future episode real soon. We'll cover those. So we're going to be talking about a number of things related to domestic violence and ACEs. Mm -hmm. This is the big dog daddy episode. <laughs> Part one was Dr. Williams talking about her personal journey with domestic violence and ACEs from a personal perspective, as well mm -hmm. as a subject matter expert. She's one of the most foremost experts on ACEs that I know and that I know of. So mm -hmm. salute to you, your flowers. They're well earned. And her name is Dr. Tori <laughs> Williams. Thank Don't you. say nothing else. Don't call it nothing else. That's It is what it is. And if you got a problem with it, say it louder with volume. That so I hear it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so you can't, there's, there's no reason why you wouldn't call me my name if you're asking if i'm mr or mrs it's doctor that's right i've had issues with that it's actually really hard being an educated woman in, in today's society you know what the disrespect is inexcusable it is we're not, we're not going to have that problem on this podcast no. not at all. so <laughs> we're going to jump right into it i'm just going to give them a brief overview of your CV, which is as long as both of my arms and one leg. I'm not going to give them the whole thing, but I'll have your links posted in the show notes for this okay. part and the first part and even the third part. Okay. So, Dr. Tori Williams. That's me. She has a doctorate in education. She focuses on special education. She focuses on ACEs, adverse childhood education experience. Sorry. I can go on and on and on. Look at part one for the detailed list. We're <laughs> going to stop right there because this episode is going to give you everything that you need to know. And that's why we entitled it DV, which is short for domestic violence and ACEs. Mm -hmm. Everything that you need to know, we're going to deep dive into it. We, like I said, Dr. Williams, we don't do the iceberg conversations here on this podcast. The 10% that people like talking about, we don't do that. The 90% right. that's under the water, that's all murky and all deep and all this stuff where the, the stigmas, the taboos, the stereotypes, the pain, the trauma, the judgment, the shame, the guilt, where all that stuff lies. You know what I say, Dr. Williams? We do two things. We can flip that bad boy upside down and expose it, or we can leave it under water. I got some gear. I got some snorkel gear. Let's go deep dive. That's true. That's what we're going to do today. So, mm -hmm. without further ado, domestic violence in ACEs. We're going to start off defining what ACEs is, and then we're just going to lay it all out the good, okay. the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, the misconceptions, all of that shit. We're going to talk about it in depth. If you, so get your notebooks, get your smart devices. This will be available on all platforms as well as on video on our Spotify 
podcast platform and our YouTube channel, which is Pen Pending Consultant Solutions LLC. You can watch it and learn. So without further ado, Dr. Williams, I'm going to ask you a number of questions. 80% of this podcast is going to be you talking. First question. Yes. Define, define ACES, please. All right. ACES is an acronym for Adverse Childhood Experiences. It is broke down into three different categories. You have your abuse, you have your neglect, and you have your household dysfunction. Under the abuse category, you have mental abuse, you have physical abuse, and you have emotional abuse. Under your neglect categories, you have emotional neglect and physical neglect. Um, and you can break those down. So physical ne neglect would be something like going to the doctor and not going to the doctor at all. There are people out there that are not receiving those services. Um, as far as household dysfunction, it's very broad. It's based on a lot of things. So say, for example, um, community uh, violence, um, even though it is not in the initial, there are what we call other um, ACEs that have came up, up under the years. So um, it's interesting that you pull that up. There's an ACEs quiz that um, people can take. It's online. You can put in ACEs quiz. Now, I think the thing that scares people is when they get their numbers, like, oh my God, what do I do with it? The number doesn't mean that you have 10 ACEs. It just means that you might want to go and seek some consultation for having the number that you have. There are people that have a number of zero. Like, I'll be honest, I have a number of four, but it just depends on the day. Um, because Ooh, 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 ooh Dr. Yeah. Wiz. Yes. Ooh, I'm like a kid in class. Ooh, yes. Ooh, ooh. Dr. Wiz, yes. I took the ACES quiz recently. What was, what was my your number, You know what my number was? Same as yours, four. Four? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. and, and if you think about it, that's that's a normal score. Um, I've, have I met people that have had a 10? Yes. Have I met people that have had a seven? Yes. Have I had met people that have had a zero? Yes. It doesn't mean anything at all in regards to your level of abuse. That's not the reason why you have your score. It's just to identify some things that happened to you in your childhood for you to do something about it. So you have, again, different references. I love how you're just pulling up information because the information is out there. Um, I would ask anyone if they needed to, to start with the CDC, cdc.com. So if you, not cdc.com, I'm sorry, excuse me, cdc.gov. And if you were to go to the CDC right now, and click on that page and you go to the search engine and put in ACES, A-C-E-S, there is a wealth of information that is going to come up in regards to adverse childhood experiences. Oh, first link. That quick. Didn't take me 15 seconds. Not at all. And look at all the wonderful information that is on the side. Wow. So this isn't me just coming up with this. This is me shining a light on something that needs to be addressed. It was it was brought up in 1995. They introduced it on the CDC website in 1998. Shout out to um, Dr. Robert Anda and Andrew Felitti, who led this study with Kaiser Permanente and interviewed 17, over 17,000 people in regards to the CDC Kaiser A study. Yes. 
So why are we not talking about this now? Why are we not discussing it? Is the question of all questions. We're going to get through that today. Yes. That's why I'm here, because when it was brought to my attention, it was the answer to a lot of questions. And as an educator, this is what I'm, I'm doing. I love to provide those examples of ACEs and how it impacts and how we can help ourselves um, come over this. Just like you help yourself come over COVID-19 or you help yourself with the flu or you help yourself with anything else. That's on the CDC website. ACEs is on there and you have to find a way to help yourself to address this issue real quick before we continue mm -hmm. I'm on the cdc's website and this is under the uh link that says there's a link that you can click on when you go search for aces and that pops up so that was the previous screen i was on so for those that are listening go to spotify and our youtube channel so you can watch because i'm pulling up all of this stuff as we're discussing it mm -hmm. so you can see it but as long as you got one of these smart devices, mm -hmm. you can do the same thing that I did. I'm just on my yeah. MacBook right now. And I'm I'm very I'm so glad that you did because this is such a teachable moment that you're doing. So congratulations. This is what I do when I'm doing presentations um, because people are fact-based. They want to see it. And I think that's the reason why I push it so much so people can know and understand this isn't something that I'm just talking about. It's actually out there. So all I'm doing is reemphasizing the information that's out there and letting you guys know that if it's on this website, it is of importance and we need to be doing something about it. We're, we did something about, well, we really didn't do anything about COVID-19. We lived in it for two years until people decided that they wanted us to resume a normal life. But COVID is still out there, you guys. What's interesting is, is they removed monkeypox and now we're back on the flu because this is flu season. And so what's interesting is I'm looking forward to the CDC putting adverse childhood experiences back on their first uh, page like they did in 1998. We're going to have some great visuals in this podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm so I'm so ready. I got mm -hmm. some stuff that I didn't even think I was going to present because you posted something on IG that's near and dear to my heart. <laughs> and it has a story connection that we both share because we're both from the show me state. You're on one side of the state. Originally, mm -hmm. I'm on the eastern side of the state. You're from Casey. I'm from St. Louis. Shout out to the show so, me. That's right. Shout out to show me. Show me. You know, we always say, hey, you got to show me. Gotta this show is the us. show me episode. I should have, that should have been a subtitle, but yeah. I can change it. I'll do it later. <laughs> it's yours. So, what this I got on the screen right now is the ACE pyramid that represents yes. the conceptual framework for the ACEs study, which uncover how ACEs are strongly related to developmental, to the development of risk factors for disease, uh -huh. well-being throughout the life course. Uh -huh. There's facts. So if you want to know what's going on with you and why things are happening, here's your research right here. I'm just not talking about it. I don't have thousands of people following. Well, I have a few. Thank you and shout out to the people that have been supporting me since I've been doing this um, for the past two years. But mm -hmm. it's factual. This information That's is out there. If you want to know about early death, it could be because of your childhood experiences. It could be because of ACEs. Your diseases could be because of ACEs. 
Let's talk about this pyramid. Sure. At the base of it, it's just a right side up pyramid. It's not inverted. They start off with generational embodiment slash historical yeah. trauma. And they yeah. have an arrow to the right of it going from the base conception all the way to the point or to mm -hmm. the top, which is death. Mm -hmm. What does generational embodiment slash historical trauma mean to you? Interesting. Well, for those listeners that are listening, please make sure you go and see episode one. I talk about my um, generational trauma with my mom and my dad, who are both amazing. Thank you so much. But they trauma bonded when they were 16 years old um, after uh, my dad um, lost his mom when he was 16 and as my mom was sexually abused um, when she was 16 years old and they had me. So I was born with generational trauma. Just to give you guys, since we're in an educational segment, an oh. example, I have ACEs. I do. Do my children know that they have it? Yes. It's something that we talk about all the time because they need to be aware and know of the things that not only am I educating, but the things that I'm discussing. So yes, my children are have ACEs as well. For every parent and every caregiver out here, you know why we're doing this series? Mm -hmm. The answer is generational wealth. Yep. We're not talking about dollars. Mm -hmm. We're talking about cents. Yep. You can't impart enough dollars into your generations, your future generations, mm -hmm. more than education. Come on, LP. I'm not talking about just degrees and certs and licensures. Yeah. I'm talking about knowledge. You are because correct. If you don't know where you come from. If you don't know what you're made of, if you don't know why you have certain tendencies and all this stuff, and nobody that is your caregiver is giving that to you, but they're giving you the hell and the trauma and the pain and the judgment and the guilt and the stigmas and the taboos and the stereotypes. That's a problem. And it's not okay. So that's why we're having this discussion. And it's from an educational and professional perspective with Dr. Tori Williams. We're going to continue, Dr. Williams. I just want to put that out there. I like it. We were talking about the bottom one. And I think that's great to, to start from the bottom and work your way up. Because yes. at the peak of that early death, People are not understanding where stress becomes an issue into all of this, the social, emotional and cognitive impairments. Mm -hmm. And stress is real. And I love us, but heart attacks are real. Um, I will admit at the age of 39 and I am. Thank you, guys. I know you might think that I'm young, but I'm not as young as one would think. At hey, I'm 51. So we look good. Like don't crack. We do, you know, we don't, it don't crack at all. But I developed shingles and I think that was an eye-opening experience for me because I didn't know what it was. And when I finally found out what it was, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything about it because I was not of age. And the doctor said, you are severely stressed. What's going on? And that's when I had to share my story. Okay. This is going on. This is going on. This is going on. This is going on. This has happened. This is what's happening. And we got to the bottom of it. And so yeah. still to this day, 
as far as shingles, um, it's for older people. And I'm saying older as 65 years of age and older. So I couldn't get a, a shingle shot. I couldn't really do anything. I had to remove myself from negativity and toxicities, um, which resulted in heavy stress and took a toll on my body. Yeah. We're going to talk off camera about the shingles perspective. Okay. A personal story I want to tell you about that with shingles. I'm going to move up this pyramid, social conditions, local context. What say you about that? What does that mean? Oh, the social conditions is the environment that you live in. Like, say, for example, um, someone that has um, not grown up in a, a, a poverty, homelessness, things of that nature are not going to experience it as quick as someone that that has. And so I think that's the great thing that they did add. Um, over the years to adverse childhood experiences is community um, violence, community, um, the environment, um, it, because it has a lot to do with um, childhood and your upbringing and things of that nature. So yes, the community has a lot to do with it. Um, schooling, education, um, all of that, that environment has a lot to do with it. Yes. I didn't read the what's underneath the basis, the base of this pyramid. Um, it says mechanism by which adverse childhood experiences, I'm just gonna say ACE, mm -hmm. health and well-being throughout lifespan. So we're talking from birth to death, mm -hmm. this pyramid. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna move up another rung on this pyramid. Uh ACE, ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. That's the crux of what we're talking about, the microchips. Well, I was, I, what's interesting is I was recently told that the word ACEs is a trigger. And I was so upset to hear it because I'm like, oh, my God, people don't know about it at all. And then when they find out about it, it's a trigger. That's interesting. But it can be because nobody wants to accept the fact that this is actually happening. This is happening, you guys. It's happening in, in our homes. It's happening in our communities. It's happening in our schools. It's happening in our homes. It's happening. But because it's become such a norm, just like the common cold, nobody really wants to talk about it and nobody wants to address it until it actually has an effect on us. So say, for example, um, and, and this is a shameless plug, but on my podcast, I actually address that. I, I talk about people that are um, an educator, actually, that is an educator with PTSD and has ACEs. I appreciate the fact that she actually came out and shared that information because not only is she educated, she's an educator and she's dealing with her adverse childhood experiences and her PTSD. The fact is there's nothing wrong with that. She's perfect. She's doing what she needs to do. And she's educating others on what is going on in order to shed light on something we should all be addressing and every, we should be discussing it. We should be discussing this all the time instead of hiding it. And so do I agree that it could be a trigger word? Possibly, depending on who is looking at it. But for someone that has never, ever heard about it, like a few of our viewers, which I'm glad that we're educating them on this now, it's something that we need to shed light on a lot more. So if you want to call it childhood trauma or trauma or however you want to uh, do it, it's all linked and connect, connected to ACEs. So even when I'm looking at this pyramid, all of this on this pyramid is connected to ACEs. Your social, emotional, and cognitive impairment is related to ACEs. Your 
your disruptive neurodevelopment, it's connected to ACEs. It would not be on this website if it wasn't. Um, your, your social conditions, your local context can be related to ACEs. Your um, adoption of health risk behavior, I just told you about three minutes ago how I developed shingles. Um, disease, disability, and social problems, ta-da. Like all of this is, is can be related to adverse childhood experiences. And I just want to educate more people on exactly what it is. So once you find out about it, what do you do about it? The next, the next um, level up from adverse childhood experiences is disrupted neurodevelopment. What does that mean? So it, it, that means it can have an impact on your health. Um, so say, for example, um, someone with lupus, if they're not really aware of their reasoning and, and the, the reason why they, they develop lupus, ACEs might have something to do with it. So when they're saying dis disrupted neurodevelopment and has it, it's having an impact on your body, it's having an impact on your brain, it's, and it just depends. But this is this is ACEs, and people don't know that because they haven't looked into it that far. But if you think about it, I mean, even when it comes to relationships, it has something to do with the disruptive neurodevelopment of your mind, of your body, and of your spirit. That's not anything that I am coming up with. All that information is on this website, the CDC website. This is just one website. This is just one page mm -hmm. of one website. And this is the page, though. Everyone else page, though, made Mark. their page based off of them sharing the information as well. But the CDC are the same people that addressed COVID. It's right. the same website. And this is the information we're getting from this website. Yes, sir. For the conspiracy theorists in the room that may be listening, I'll get to that question after we go through this pyramid. That's why. Uh, social, emotional, and cognitive impairment. What say you? Say that, tell me one more time. I'm sorry. Social, emotional, and cognitive impairment. That's listed above disruptive neurodevelopment. What does that mean? Oh, that's interesting. And I am going to do another shameless plug. The social, sure. emotional, and cognitive impairment is, is it can be perceived um, as a special education um, administrator. Um, that social, yes. That emotional, yes. And that cognitive impairment is the reason why some of our students right now are dealing with special education or are in special education based off of some of the social, emotional, and cognitive cognitive learning impairments that have happened due to adverse childhood experiences. So again, ACES has nothing to do with education, uh, special education. However, special education is available and there are resources that someone with ACES can actually benefit from if that is the reason why they are in special education. Yes. Oh, um, the next the next level up is adoption of health risk behavior. Now we, we talked about it briefly and, and gave a, a few examples. Um, 
the adoption of health risk behaviors could be um, anything from um, autoimmune diseases, um, um, psychological, um, like I said, emotional, um, mental, um, all of that can be considered under the umbrella of ACEs, um, depending on the individual. Yes. You know, it, it seems like autoimmune diseases have a strong correlation to ACEs that I hadn't heard of before. We're going to talk about that. Okay, we should. Because the next, the next uh, level up is dis-ease, disability, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. social problems. The mic is yours. Tell us about how all that correlates together. So it it correlates because of what I love is the the pyramid. Um, You can't have the disease without the adoption of the health risk or the social, emotional, and cognitive impairment. So you're going all the way up. And if this stuff isn't addressed, these are the things that could possibly happen. And then unfortunately, um, last but not least, the early death can happen as well. That's right. That's at the top of the Yeah, I like how one is linked to the next. So the generational trauma, social conditions, adverse childhood experiences is what happened. It can disrupt your neural development. You can have social, emotional, and cognitive impairment. Um, that's where your disease, the disabilities, and the, and the social problems come in that can result in possibly early death. Yes. We're talking early death from an implosion perspective? Mm, no. It's, it's, it can be from a health, it can be from an health, a health perspective for sure. I it has happened. Um, and I'm not saying that this is the reason why people pass away from an early age. Mm-hmm. However, if you look into it, it could possibly be a reason. It could, just depending on the person. It depends on the individual. We've we've met a lot of people who are are heard of situations where people pass away in their sleep or you know have heart attacks and things of that nature. And I think if we were to do a case-by-case scenario, ACEs has a lot to do with a few. Yes. I'm including uh, suicides. When I say when I say imploding, I mean suicidal. I agree. I mean uh, substance abuse issues, alcohol mm-hmm. and drugs, mm-hmm. which these things can and do lead to early death. It does. As a paramedic and a uh, first responder, mm-hmm. I responded on tons of these things, you know, since 2006 when I first took my first EMT course. Right. And so when I think about this pyramid and I start looking at the stuff that directly correlates to the stuff that I would end up responding on from a 911 call, mm-hmm. the disease, the disability, the social problems, we got called on that stuff all the time. Right. I got tons of men. You know, when the 911 call comes out, just real quick, mm-hmm. it's broken down into two categories. Is it a medical or is it a trauma? Now, right. it can be both, but typically, is it a medical or a trauma? From that, it breaks down even farther. Is it stable or unstable? You know, so if somebody calls for a chest pain, well, 
we get there and we do our assessment. Is it something like where you're having chest pain because you just lifted this 50 pound box and climbed right. up the flight of steps? Right. No. Way after about an hour, or has it been going on for the last five days? Right. You know what I mean? And you ain't lifted nothing. Mm -hmm. So because it depends on how depending on what the pain level is or what caused it, it's going to depend on how I respond to it. Right. So when we're talking about disease and disability and social problems with ACEs as it relates to trauma, like a domestic violence situation and or a sexually based offense that may have happened or may be happening mm -hmm. because we are mandated reporters, that's part of our assessment. So I'm so glad that you're here, Dr. Williams, to really deep dive with me into this because that's mm -hmm. why we said everything that you need to know. Right. We're going to keep going here. Mm -hmm. Early death is it can be something that's explosive where you have taken that trauma, all of those things rising up to that peak. Mm -hmm. and you said, I'm not going to just take myself out or I may not take myself out at all, but I'm going to take out somebody else. Right. Somebody's else. Here's where I said something you posted is near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. You posted recently, and I'm going to pull it up on the screen here. Okay. Uh, hold on a second, because I just had it. This was on your, I believe it was on your uh, Instagram page. Okay. You had posted a story about the school shooting that happened in St. Louis, my hometown. Mm -hmm. You remember that? Mm -hmm. And I thought, Man, and I didn't see it until right before we pulled this, uh, before we started recording this particular episode. Mm -hmm. And I thought about what you said. I'm trying to find it again. Um, Go up some. Let's see. Oh, here it is, right here. So for those that aren't watching, please watch this because Dr. Tory Williams posted this was on um, Instagram. This was on Instagram. You posted this um, chart. It says 40, 122, 34, 28, 6, and 88. Mm -hmm. 40, school shootings with injuries or deaths. 122, people killed or injured in a school shooting. 34, people killed. 28, 28 students or other children killed. 6, School employees or other adults killed. 88 people injured. Mm -hmm. And then you wrote, a teacher and a student shot and killed in St. Louis. We don't, but we don't want to address mental health awareness in schools. So let me make it quote unquote teachable for you to understand. These mm -hmm. students are examples of ACEs. How? It falls into all categories, abuse, neglect, and household challenges. It also falls into the current categories of community violence, bullying, and terrorism. Mm -hmm. We launched the whole initiative this month before this school shooting. Mm -hmm. Hashtag Operation It Ends With Us. Mm -hmm. And so far, eight adults signed up. Please don't say I'm not trying. I am. I'm not doing this for likes, people. Our children need help. Is there one student willing to push for mental health initiatives in school? 
thank you and call me Shibby for the infographic. And then you list a number of hashtags. Mm -hmm. You know what I thought about when I saw that? I'll show you better than I can tell you. Again, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Mm -hmm. I went there the week after the school shooting happened. I know a lot of those individuals that were talking at the press conference, either directly or indirectly. The fire chief, the uh, mayor, the Corey Bush, you know, uh, I don't know the police chief because he's uh, fairly new, but mm -hmm. I had a partner that worked for the private EMS service that uh, assisted the patient that was in cardiac arrest, mm -hmm. you know, and some other, and I know some of the other responders, the police and the EMS crews that responded. When I went to St. Louis, this was the day I was getting ready to come home. So that was uh, the Monday after. So I got a picture on the screen of me and my car. And I'm trying to see if I can go to the next slide or whatever. So these pictures that I'm showing are from this trip that I had. And this was at the school. So um, in the school, at the school, they got this memorial set up. And this is Central Visual and Performing Arts. Mm -hmm. So in front of the school, they have this memorial set up with pictures and teddy bears and all kind of other stuff or what have you. And one of the things I thought about as I was standing there taking these photos was I talk about this stuff all the time, Dr. Dr. I know you do. I know you do. Because of the work that I do, not just as, even though I'm retired, I'm still a first responder because I teach Stop the Bleed classes because mm -hmm. I teach on active shooter hostile events or the government is supposed to be switching to the term active violent incidents because everything right. doesn't involve a gun like we saw at the University of Idaho where those people, it was an active violent incident where the person used an edged weapon. Right. So I'm standing there outside of the school and my kids, two of my twins went to this school back in the day. So I know all about Central VPA. And I'm looking around and I'm like, wow, you know, when I have conversations with people about active violent incidents, I'm starting to talk about ACEs more. Right. I say I have a broader view of domestic violence and I want you to tell me how you feel about this. I'm listening. Let's break down the word domestic, the words domestic violence. It's not that something that just happens under your roof and between your four walls. I believe if you look at domestic and violence separately, you can put them together in this way. Outside of where you lay your hat and sleep and have all your shit, everywhere else that you go, you've domesticated on some level. When you go to work in a brick and mortar place, if you got an office, you got your family photos, you may have your degrees and certificates on the wall, you got your little wood knots and stuff, you got all kind of little memorabilia uh, in your office, at mm -hmm. your desk, in your locker. You've mm -hmm. domesticated that place, right? right? So same thing happens at a school. Your locker, your desk, your classroom, the teachers do it, the students do it. They make that part of their second home. If you go to your local grocer, you know, I'm, I'm in Charlotte now. So we got a Harris Teeter 
uh, right maybe four blocks from where I live. We go there all the time. It could be an Audi. It could be a Publix. It could be whatever. You know, that's something that you've domesticated because this is where you take those items and you bring them to your house. Mm -hmm. That's your favorite store. If you go to a house of worship for whatever religious preference that you have, you've domesticated that place because this is your home. It's your house of worship. Right. I can go on and on and on. When an act of violent incident happens at one of these places, it disrupts the domestic tranquility. Right. It does. So when I say domestic violence and I say it happened at school, it happened in Brooklyn on the subway. Mm -hmm. It happened in Buffalo at the supermarket. Right. It happened in Uvalde. It happened at the concert venue. You know, all of these things, they are par for the course. But people have this short, you know, view of it with the, like the horse with the blinders on. Uh -huh. It's like they don't have the peripheral vision because they're not looking at it from a wider point of view. What do you say to that? I agree with you 110% because I, just as much as we're trying to identify ACEs, we need to define domestic violence because you are correct. I do agree with you 110% in regards to that. So I'm not going to go against what you said because it makes a lot of sense to me. The problem is the listener has to understand it doesn't have to be that, it doesn't have to be domestic. It doesn't have to be this way if we would just address the things that will lead us to the to the reasoning for why these things are happening. We can stop it. We can eliminate it. Can we take kids out of the community and offer them something different? Yes. Can we, um, if you see something happening at a grocery store, can we jump in? Yeah. But again, it's happening. And we're not doing any, any, anything about it. We have family members that have been in domestic um, ab abuse relationships and we're not doing any, anything about it. We're just allowing these things to happen or the community violence that's happening. We can protest and we can do what we want to do, but our communities are our communities. Can we do stuff better? We can. So I like that you brought that up and elaborated from your perspective because that actually makes a lot of sense. It does. You know, and here's the thing about it. That I'm gonna I'm gonna bring the pictures back up on the screen because I, I I didn't have it up enough to where I can go to one picture to the next. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I just thought. Well, what I was gonna show was just some close-up shots of it. But what I wanted to say is, first of all, you're not a compensated endorser for my company or this podcast. Mm -hmm. I literally poured this this uh, screenshot of your, well, this is your actual IG page with this post. And I literally pulled that up as we were getting ready to get set up for this part two. Mm -hmm. We had never talked about school shootings. We had never talked about my trip to St. Louis right. or anything like that no. when I went to see this particular school or what have you. So this was purely something that was very organic mm -hmm. because I the, the listeners to understand that we're not telling you what we heard, folks. Mm -mm, mm -mm. We're telling you what we know. What we know. We're telling you this because this is this can be the difference between life and death, literally, okay. figuratively, all of this stuff. 
we're going to keep it going because we ain't done by leaps and bounds and we're going to be moving. So domestic violence as it relates to. So on on there, I know you can see it. You can actually click on it because that has its own entity as well. Uh, Yeah, I'm looking forward. Let's see. Well, let's go with the child sexual abuse. We'll start with that. Okay. There's a wealth of knowledge on the CDC website. This is a big one right here. Mm-hmm. What is child sex abuse? According to the CDC, what they have on the screen now says child sexual abuse is a significant public health problem. Did you like how you said, did, did you hear what you just said? The According to the CDC, that makes it official. That makes it relatable. It makes it factual because it's actually on a website that holds COVID-19. I just wanted to throw that out there, you guys, because what is the CDC saying again, LP? What is child sex abuse? Child sex abuse is a significant public health problem and an adverse childhood experience. Child sexual abuse refers to the involvement of a child, quote, oh, parentheses, person less than 18 years old, in sexual activity that violates the laws or social taboos of society that he, she doesn't fully comprehend, does not consent to, or is unable to give informed consent, or is not developmentally prepared for and cannot give consent to. How big is the problem, you say? Many children wait to report or never report child sex abuse. Therefore, the numbers below likely underestimate the true impact of the problem. Although estimates vary across studies, the research shows about one in four girls. When we're talking about people that identify as girls. Mm -hmm. So please, LGBTQ+, if you got a problem with what I'm saying, go to the CDC. I'm just reading the the, data. I like that. Okay. About one in four girls and one in 13 boys in the U.S., in just the U.S., experience child sexual abuse. Someone known and trusted by the child or child's family members perpetrates 91% child sexual abuse. The total lifetime economic burden of child sexual abuse in the U.S. alone in 2015, just 2015, was estimated to be at least... 9.1 9.1 billion with a B as in boy. So how do you feel? So, so so I just turned this into an educational experience for you. This is the reason why <laughs> it's an EDD because I made it educational. Now, my question for you is how do you feel finding out this information? I'm not surprised. Matter of fact, I think and I know and I believe that I've seen more as a paramedic mm-hmm. who's a mandated reporter. Mm-hmm. And I've had to report on things. Mm-hmm. And as you know, and as we talked about, we did talk about this before. Mm-hmm. A mandated reporter does not have time off. Mm-mm. I'm going to say it again to those in the nosebleeds. Mm-hmm. If you're a mandated reporter, you're never off duty mm-hmm. as long as your license is active. Mm-hmm. So when you go to your nine to five or your five to nine, you can report all day long twice on Sunday. 
But when you go home and clock out, if you see something like child sex abuse or elder abuse or whatever that's mandated to report, you can't be like, oh, I ain't on the clock. Yeah. I'll do it when I get I do it when I get back to work tomorrow, or whatever. No, nah, no. Nah. We from Missouri. We call it the Missouri Department of Family Services, Child Protection mm -hmm. Services. We yeah. call it hot. Do y'all call it hotlining in in the Kansas City area? Because we call it hotlining. We call it a hotline. Okay, it must be a Missouri thing because when I say hotline to anybody else outside of Missouri, they're like, "What are you talking about?" No, it's the hotline. Yeah, yeah. we call it hotline. So y'all need to catch up. That's all. I'm saying. Uh -huh. So I'm not done yet because the CDC is not done yet. Mm -hmm. What are the consequences? I'm just going to kind of skim through this stuff. Keep going. What are the consequences? Experiencing childhood sexual abuse can affect how a person thinks, acts, and feels over a lifetime. This can result in short and long-term physical, mental, and behavioral consequences. Examples of physical health consequences include STDs or the proper term now is STI, sexually transmitted infections. Mm -hmm. Physical injuries, chronic conditions later in life, such as heart disease, obesity, and cancer. Mm -hmm. Examples of the mental health consequences, depression, PTSD. Examples of Behavior consequences, substance abuse, use, misuse, including opioid misuse, risky sexual behaviors, meaning sexual multiple partners or behaviors that can result in pregnancy or STIs, increased risk for per perpetration of sexual violence, increased risk for suicide or suicide attempts, mm -hmm. people being, I'm, I'm going to go back to that one, increased risk for perpetrate, perpetration of sexual violence. I mean, it's the big deal that people are talking about now is sex trafficking. It's out there. Big you time. read my mind. Thank you so much. I was just <laughs> getting ready to say that. Because here's why, Dr. Williams. Most people think of trafficking because that's one of the things that we cover on the Trigger Want to Talk podcast. So if you're triggered at any point for the listeners, mm -hmm. you're triggered at any point during this podcast, seriously, and you need help immediately, call 911. Mm -hmm. If you don't have an immediate need, you need help with trafficking, we got the numbers listed. You need help with rape, incest, abuse. There's mm -hmm. an organization called RAIN, Rape, Incest, Abuse National Network. We got their numbers ready for you. Right. If you have any issues with domestic violence, we have the domestic violence hotline ready for you. Mm -hmm. Alcohol, got you. Got that number. Mm -hmm. Got NA. If you're a supporter of somebody with one of those issues, we got Al-9. If you are suicidal, know somebody that's suicidal or come across somebody that's suicidal and you need help, call 988-247 here in the U.S. That being said, let's go back to that. Trafficking. Mm -hmm. Most people think of trafficking from the stigma, stereotype, and taboo perspective. They either think it's some girls being shipped in some shipping containers from Eurasia, Europe and Asia, continents, mm -hmm. coming across the pond, over to the U.S. in some major city or port of call. And or they think it's a bunch of women or kids being thrown in some truck coming across the U.S.-Mexico border or even maybe across the U.S.-Canadian border. Mm -hmm. I did a show, an episode one time, where I talked about a young American girl, 15 years old, and this made national headlines. She was in Dallas. She's in your, your, your state now. Okay. She was in Dallas at a Dallas Mavericks game mm -hmm. with her dad. 
She told her dad, I have to go to the restroom. He said, okay, cool. She goes to the bathroom. The next time the dad saw it was 11 days later. Oh, no. Now, here's where it gets interesting because it covered everything, the four topics that we cover in this podcast. Mm -hmm. He went and called the police, of course. They started doing their investigation. He wasn't satisfied. So what he did was he contacted the trafficking organization. And I think they were either in Houston or San Antonio, a few hours away from Dallas. Mm -hmm. Through their research and through their investigation, they found her. You know what they found out? Where she is, where she was? Where? Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Oh, wow. They, you know what they were, how they found her? They found her being pimped out on a trafficking website. Mm-hmm. They found out where she was being held. Mm-hmm. This person had, I guess, rented out, I think they said eight motel rooms, pimping mm-hmm. her out. Mm-hmm. So they contacted OKCPD. They raided the place, they arrested all the people that were there mm-hmm. and they got the girl that rescued her and got her back with her parents. Mm-hmm. She was kidnapped. She was trafficked. She was uh, sexually molested and all that stuff. She had experienced sexual based offenses. Some people live in that motel. Mm-hmm. That's some domestic violence stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. Cause she was living there for almost a week. Well, see, that's the thing. Everything that you just described is basis. And she's an American. Like, she's not a foreigner mm-hmm. or illegal alien. Or that's all an experience stuff. that she's going to have that's going to, it, it's, it's going to have an effect on her for the rest of her life. Rest of her life. That's ACES. That's ACES. And it can be triggering or the word can be triggering. It's childhood trauma. Let me give another word that people talk about all the time. It's traumatic. It's all the same, you guys. Adverse childhood experiences is the experience of the event that happened that you're going to remember the rest of your life. There's positive experiences and there are adverse childhood experiences. That's an an ace. I mean, she's never going to be able to get over that she's going to have to find a way to get out of that stigma now what's interesting is i don't post as much as some on social media but i'm thinking about it um i just watched a an episode on netflix called you don't know me it's an england um, based series and the woman is is pulled for sex trafficking and things of that nature. And her boyfriend that she fell in love with is trying to save her. He's killing people. He's doing everything just to save her. And what did she do? Return back to it because that was all she knew. Yeah, I'm going to have to post about that one because that's a great example of adverse childhood experiences. What you just brought up is a great example of ACEs. Good example. Sex I'm, so, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you say that. I'm mm-hmm. so glad because sometimes... When I'm having these discussions with people in social media platforms, whether it be Clubhouse or wherever, mm-hmm. I feel like the three-headed drag. Mm. I feel like I got two necks and 15 arms. Mm-hmm. I feel like an alien. It's like people kind of look at me weird, and they don't necessarily disagree but I can tell by their body movements 
and their nonverbal communications that is either a uncomfortable as fuck mm -hmm. or is something that they don't want to talk about or and or they just don't believe it. Mm -mm. Now, what's interesting on this page, you have it says, what are the current gaps in child sexual abuse prevention? Mm -hmm. So let's see. I'm glad we're, you said that because that leads right into that. Yeah, we're going to save the last part because the last part goes into part three. Oh, OK. OK. Which we're going to talk part. So three. So part three, folks, is going to be us talking about the. Um, modalities in terms of seeking help. We don't just do dialogue on this podcast. And mm -hmm. Dr. Williams, we've talked about that before. We don't just do dialogue, like you said, that's trauma dumping. Right. We have dialogue with action plans, solution-based mm -hmm. action plans that we bring to all of the listeners of the Trigger Warning Talk podcast. Okay. So again, that's going to be part three. Okay. So I'm going to go down to the current gaps in what are the current gaps in childhood sexual abuse prevention? And I'm I'm looking away from the screen because I don't have my glasses on. So okay, it's fine. Uh, adults are responsible for ensuring that children have safe, stable, nurturing relationships and environments. Resources for child sexual abuse have mostly focused on treatment for victims and criminal justice oriented approaches for perpetrators. These efforts are important after child sexual abuse has occurred. However, Little investment has been made in primary prevention or preventing child sexual abuse. Effective evidence-based strategies are available to proactively protecting children from child sexual abuse, but few have been widely disseminated. More resources are needed to develop, evaluate, and implement evidence-based child sexual abuse primary prevention strategies. These strategies can help ensure that all children... Oh. All children, again, and I'll talk about that, have safe, stable, nurturing relationships and environments. Here's what I say. When it comes to trauma, anybody can get it and anybody can give it. Gender be damned, religious affiliation, financial status, all of that stuff. Ethnicity, anybody can give it and anybody can get it. Here's the other thing that I say, Dr. Williams, about trauma. I throw it into three categories. You've either seen it and we've all seen trauma. You can turn on a breaking news story. We just saw, mm -hmm. I saw a, a story about a helicopter crash from one of the local news affiliates here. Two people died. Mm -hmm. That can be traumatic because I can put myself in the mindset of those medics that showed up to this horrible scene. Mm -hmm. These people were just at work doing their job in their right. helicopter crash. You've either given it or you received it. You've either given it to one or more people or you received it from one or more people. Right. So trauma affects us all. Yeah. All of us. So when they say these strategies can help ensure that all children have safe, stable, nurturing relationships and environments, that's what we're talking about. It's okay to have these discussions. We got to stop freaking acting like we got to put it under that, that water, that iceberg stuff, the 90% that's under the water that don't nobody want to talk about. No, expose it or deep dive into it because right. it ain't going nowhere. Dr. Williams, right? You your career mm -hmm. primarily, not only as an educator for special needs kids or, or, or children that uh, are determined 
through an assessment process, committee based, mm-hmm. you have also dedicated your professional career to teaching and educating folks, no matter where you come from, no matter who you are, about ACEs. Yes. So when we're talking about domestic violence, sexually based offenses, trafficking, missing persons, because she mm-hmm. was missing. Mm-hmm. Good old red-blooded American 15-year-old girl mm-hmm. who not only is she going to need probably lifelong therapy, her parents. Mm-hmm. Imagine being her dad. Yep. I thought about that when I did that story. And I was mm-hmm. like, if I'm her dad, I know I need help. Mm-hmm. How can I not blame myself in part? Mm-hmm. Or your trust issues are out the door because you don't trust yourself anymore because you made a decision to let your daughter go when you actually should have followed her. You know what I mean? It's it's probably people pointing fingers at him and all of that and who knows, but he's definitely going to need some to seek some help in regards to that for sure. That could be a conversation just in and of itself, but mm-hmm. it's apropos for what we're talking about because we can take that one scenario, that one case or case study, if we want to call it that, because mm-hmm. it encompasses four areas that we're talking about that directly correlate to ACEs. Mm-hmm. Period, point blank in the story. We're not done. Let's go with oh, sexual violence. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different episode, too. That's a whole different episode. But all of the information, which is which is great that people need to know, just as easy as you're going to the CDC website, they can too. So what I love and shout out to all of the people that have been supporting me since I decided to do this. You have people that are out there advocating for ACEs and that are doing the same thing that I'm doing because of knowledge that I've, that I've given them as far as ACEs. The more, the merrier. I don't have a problem with that at all. If there are people that want to know more and want to go into the trainings and things of that nature, please reach out. I do it. This is what I do. I'm going to jump ahead because, again, some of this stuff is going to come up in part three. Mm -hmm. We're talking about healing, seeking Mm -hmm. help, what modalities are available out there. Mm -hmm. Western medicine, metaphysical modalities, all of this stuff. We're going to get into that in part three. What I want to ask you about more is what are some of the misconceptions specifically that you deal with top five, let's say? What are the top five misconceptions that you would say are related to or in relationship to ACEs? That it doesn't exist. That's number one. Um, that your your case is different than someone else's. So like, say, for example, we talked about the sex trafficking. No, sex trafficking does not necessarily mean that these people are coming from Malaysia and they're getting in a truck and they're doing this. This can happen in your own city, in your own neighborhood. It's actually happening right now that people just are not aware of it. Um, it's happening. Um, the... The the fact that we can't say anything about it. So, you know, this is the triggering podcast. We Your uncle uh, touching you is not okay. Your aunt 
touching you is not okay. Your brother, your neighborhood friend, your cousins, it's not okay. It's not normal. It is not okay at all. It needs to be addressed. It needs to be discussed. Again, I have a podcast where I have um, one of the young men that said that he hasn't uh, been to Thanksgiving in a long time because he runs into the person that um, that violated him. And um, one time his mother was like, I still think you should come, yada, yada, yada. And he was like seven seconds away from putting his hands and killing this man. So mm-hmm. you have to understand that this isn't something that we're just having a discussion about. It is not normal for family members, cousins, relatives to to physically touch you at all. It can it can cause so much emotional damage. As far as domestic violence, it happens. Domestic violence does not necessarily mean it's a husband and a wife. It could be pretty much anything. If somebody is touching you or, or physically abusing you and it is not okay, that is domestic violence. So I think what hap- needs to happen is the breakdown of exactly what it is and how it defines and provide examples. That's what I do. That's the reason why I term myself as an essential skills educator, because I can coin those terms and break them down to where people can understand from their perspective. Yes. So real quick, give us that definition of domestic violence that you I, would tell a parent. I actually just, that what I just gave that's that, that's okay. an example, that's okay. a great example because domestic violence does not mean it's mom and dad. Domestic okay. violence can come from sisters and brothers um, fighting and abusing. And, and how many times have people or brothers or they've seen siblings get into it and a sibling hurts another sibling? That's not OK. I mean, if you allow your sibling to do it, how many other people will you allow for that to happen to you? So, again, I think terms need to be defined and elaborated on, which is, again, the reason why I, I coin myself as an essential skills educator, because it's those relatable things that people aren't aware of and they think it's OK, but it, it really isn't OK at all. Dr. Williams. Yes. I want to thank you so much, sincerely. Mrs. LP and I sincerely. <laughs> here's the other thing about Mrs. LP. She's not even this disembodied voice. Yes. You know, she's very introverted and stuff, but she's so integral in the podcast as well as the company. So right. we want to thank you so much because I can't wait for her to watch these two uh, interviews as well as when we do the third one. Yes, because there's some things that you have said that are deeply personal, even in our family, mm-hmm. you know, from the, the autoimmune stuff, because, you know, and I've been very open and she's very open about her autoimmune issues. Again, that's part mm-hmm. of the reason, pretty much the main reason why I retired from mm-hmm. the and fire because yeah. of that in my proximity yeah. to COVID patients when mm-hmm. I was in the field what I want to what I want to say to you before we wrap up is this I'm looking at this one uh, IG page and it talks about and this will be the last one that we'll cover okay. it talks about childhood adverse childhood experiences aces and adults and it says it has a silhouette of a man I presume or a male mm-hmm. 
says heart disease, increased risk based on one or more household dysfunction ACEs. Asthma, increased association between substance abuse ACEs and asthma. Mental illness, increased association with exposure to mental illness, abuse, and common community trauma ACEs. Diabetes, more than 98% with four or more ACEs and diabetes type 2 have an additional chronic disease. Cancer. Mm -hmm. Increased risk based on any number of ACEs and a threefold risk of engaging in cancer-associated risk behaviors. Obesity, most common chronic disease associated with three or more ACEs. Lasting focus, one in five report inability to concentrate due to physical, mental, or emotional conditions and one or more ACEs. And then finally, it says risk-seeking behaviors. Increased with comorbidities and with each additional ACE. Mm-hmm. And I love what you wrote on here. And you reposted this from uh, Anna Marie Life Coach. I want to, I always make sure I give credit where credit is due. Absolutely. Here's what you said. Or here's what she said. Mm-hmm. For me, it's been my adverse childhood experience. Oh, that's me. I oh, said Oh, you said this. Okay. Yeah. So she posted the chart. Yes, the okay. chart is hers. The so these are your words based mm-hmm. on the chart that I read. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's what Dr. Tory says about this chart that I just read. For me, it's been my adverse childhood experiences, ACEs, that I experienced that has me on my journey to educate others daily. November 2022 and the ACEs study is more relevant now than ever. I can continue to educate, but what is it going to take for us to take ownership? Almost curse. And I can do that here, but I'm going to continue. Mm-hmm. Parents, when is the last time you asked your children, regardless of their age, how they are doing or how they were doing and actually listen? Try it. Educators. Because you're putting everybody on. I am. Everybody can feed the to the fire. So you I can am. stop there. Huh? I oh, I am. Oh, yeah. Educators. Mandatory reporters, too. How many occurrences of traumatized events do your students share to you or to their classmates daily? Or better yet, how many episodes do we watch on TV about people struggling with their ACEs that it takes for traumatic episode to take place for the reality of ACEs to kick in. Think about it. As an educator, I have been attending conferences and I sit in meetings daily, listening and watching examples, and my heart goes out to the students crying out for help because the need for mental health services are at an all-time high. As a parent, Got my hand up for those that aren't watching. Y'all better watch this, I'm telling you, because y'all missing shit. As a parent, it was eye open, it was eye-opener to hear from a doctor that my teenage, my teenager suffers from insomnia due to her anxiety. Yes, when asking my own child how she was doing, pushed me to seek help. I say that all the time. I got two words for you. You got trauma, if you got problems, seek help. See. I'm telling you, that's that that show me thing we got in us. I'm I'm not even done yet. So, yes, when asking my own child how she was doing, pushed me to seek help. I'm so glad I did. And the last thing you wrote is this. And I love it. 
Just know that I won't keep quiet. And I know that I'm not alone. This is what this podcast is all about, Dr. Williams. Thank you. You that's a mic drop moment. I ain't got nothing else to add other than I'm gonna have your contact information posted just like I did in part one. Thank you can you. go to her link tree, which I'll have on the screen here. You can go to her IG. You can do just what we did. We just pulled up a Google page and started searching shit. This wasn't pre-planned. I don't do pre-drafted questions all the time or whatever. I, did I send you any pre-drafted no. questions? Not okay. one. Not for part one, not for part two, and it ain't going to be none for part three. I, really I, mean, I actually really think this episode is amazing. The fact that we, I was able to make it educational and then we did the role reversal and you were educated and you, that's the whole purpose. That's the whole purpose of me. And we talked about that earlier, a difference between a PhD and an EDD. There's no difference. It's just title. And if I continue to do my educational research, it will fall under the educational dialogue, which is what we're doing right now. That's what we're doing right now. And I'm telling y'all, this is very organic, this particular episode, because I just saw her IG page and I was like, hmm, that meme looks interesting. Hmm, that meme look, looks interesting. When I saw the one with the numbers, the 40, the 122, the 34, the 8, the 28, mm -hmm. I didn't even know that you had written something about it. And it was about what happened in my hometown of St. Louis. I was like, oh, my God, mind blown. Mm -hmm. Let me look into this. I and wish I can get on there a lot more, but I can't. You know what I mean? Oh, that's fine. I mean, everybody's got social media. No, that's that, fine. That, that's fine. The stuff that I put out there is real. And when I do, I a lot of people. So I will say I posted something on um, Twitter mm -hmm. and moved it to Instagram. And I want to say it's five people already that have reposted because of what I put. So if you go to my first, um, if you go to the post that I posted today, yeah, five people have already replied and added it to their stories or added it because of what I posted. Not that one. It's the next one. Oh, the next one. And I just put that on there today. This one? Mm hmm So this is what Dr. Tory's talking about, Dr. Williams is talking about. To whom it may concern, healing yourself can be offensive to people that benefited from your brokenness. I'm going to put a heart right there, too. I'm going to type right <laughs> down in the comments, <laughs> I concur 100% with <laughs> you, Dr. Victorious. And five people already. I'm not just saying stuff or getting statistics. These are things that, you know, when we have, when I have discussions and things of that, then if it's a Twitter moment, then it's a Twitter moment. And yeah, that I was watching that episode that I had talked about earlier and I came up with the healing yourself can be offensive to people that benefited from your brokenness. And five people already have posted it to their story. And again, I don't have 15,000 followers, but I have enough to where, yeah, I'm going to be reposting all of the people that reposted 
so I can tell them thank you for the share because that's five other people that is getting this information out there about healing, which is what we need to do when you have identified your adverse childhood experiences. Heal. Far be it from me to short a black woman. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> no, I'm not going to short you because I didn't read your commentary about this particular uh, message. Mm -hmm. Say to those on our, and this will be the close of this part of the interview. Okay. To those on our healing journey, because we talk about that in part one. Mm -hmm. May we heal and embrace our light and gift. Those who profit from our brokenness want to help us, want to help keep us down and are in a constant state of survival. No thanks. We welcome healing and thrive. Mm -hmm. Period. That's it. Dr. Williams, I want to thank you so much. Thank you. You know, I've learned so much in these past <laughs> from you and it ain't over. Class is always in session. I'm a professional student. You're a professional student. We're yeah. professional students. You're yeah. a mandated reporter. I'm a mandated. You know what I'm saying? You're from Missouri. I'm from Missouri. You know, yeah. I could go on and on and on and on. Here's what I will say before I let you go. Now, we're going to do the, the missing person case and I got an eight minute video. So if you got to drop off, that's fine. Okay. Or if you want to mute or whatever, that's fine. Okay. Um, I will say this. Keep doing what you are doing. Thank and you. I'm in that foxhole right with you. So okay. if you need me to stand beside you and have this conversation from a first responder perspective. Thank you. Uh, you got my information. Call me. Thank you. There, virtually, in person, whatever we got to do. Thank you. I appreciate it. I really do. No, thank you. So that being said, we're going to wrap up with a very I interesting case. I am going to go ahead and leave sure. the studio. But okay. thank you so much. And I will be back on here tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow. Well, right. for those that don't know, we're recording three of these interviews. But you guys are going to see them. Just keep tuning in. Dr. Yes. Williams. Dr. Tori Williams, because yes. that's yes. her name. That's her title. Put some yes. respect on her name. Please. Please. Period. And have a great day. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, folks. That was Dr. Tori Williams. We're going to close out with a case of a missing person, a young lady, a member of the United States military. Salute to all those who serve, who have served, and who will serve. Her name is Denisha Montgomery. That's your mommy. Is that your mommy? In every corner of this Hodgenville home. That's one. Which one? You'll Tell find photos of Denisha Montgomery. This is how Josh Smith keeps his wife's memory alive. There's the shoes right yeah, the shoes, like mommy. Now yeah, raising three little boys alone, he wants to make sure they never forget their mother. She's perfect. Everything. She was always a leader, always there for everybody. 
Family was the reason Montgomery joined the army. She wanted to provide a good future for her husband and sons. She just wanted us to be proud of her, and we were absolutely proud of her, everything she did. But it's a future she'll never see. Montgomery enlisted in the army in January 2021. A year later, she deployed to Germany with the 139th Military Police Company for a nine-month rotation and was scheduled to return home to the U.S. at the end of September. I just want to come home. Denisha Montgomery's family got this chilling video call on July 19th. I know. What is that from? I don't know. That looks like a a knife or something. She was just frantic, scared, and she didn't know what to do. We're sick, What the With marks and bruises visible on her body, Montgomery asked her family to record the call. Worse tomorrow. Oh my God, I don't want the kids here. She told them she went to a water park, had been drinking, and was assaulted by four other military police officers on the car ride home. They choked me out, but they did, they was doing me in the car. I, like, I kept telling them, I was like, I can't breathe. I was like, I can't breathe. I was, I was gasping for air. I was like, I bro, I had never been so scared in my life. I legit, I thought I was going to die in the car, bro. Her family feared for her safety. I, I'm telling them that I don't want to be here no more. I'll do whatever I have to do, mom. I'm coming. I can't be here no more. I don't trust them. I don't my leadership. I don't I don't want to be here with none of them no more. Okay, honey. In the back of my mind and my whole heart told me that her life was in danger. Honey, this is all I wanted to do. Mom, this is all I wanted to do. 21 days after that video call on August 9th, Montgomery was found dead in her barracks. She was 27 years old. They said Denisha had died by uh, suicide, self-suffocation. And we was like, no, that, that doesn't make any sense at all. How are you guys so sure that Denisha would not have ended her life? If you knew Denisha, there would be no question in your mind how strong of an individual she was uh, mentally, physically. Um, we knew that she was happy. The Army's Office of Public Affairs told WDRB the Criminal Investigation Division, or CID, is still investigating Montgomery's death, and an autopsy report is being completed by the Armed Forces Medical Examiner. In an email, an Army spokesperson said, The Army has not yet made a determination as to the cause or manner of death. At the time of Specialist Montgomery's death, German law enforcement authorities exercised primary jurisdiction. When the German authorities closed their investigation and transferred the matter to the U.S. Army's CID, they stated that they had ruled Specialist Montgomery's death to be a suicide. The email went on to say, while there were no indications of foul play or criminal activity in the death of Specialist Montgomery, the matter is still under investigation. It happened about two hours ago. When asked about the video call, the Army confirmed the recording is among the evidence under investigation. Josh, screen record this. Look. Look at this. 
Montgomery's family is doing its own investigation, hiring attorney Lindsay Knapp to piece together the final few weeks and months of her life. The military statements to the family are not adding up because the first the first pieces they tell the family is a suicide. Now they're maybe trying to walk that back and saying that they're investigating, but then in the same breath, putting out press releases that are where they're stating that there was no foul play. So none of that makes any sense to anyone. The military also granted a no contact order, barring the people in the car with Montgomery on the night she was hurt from having any communication with her family. But Knapp says the orders included information that could put the family in danger. They released the personal data of the people we are trying to protect to the people that we believe had a role in her death. This is outrageous. She's now calling for an independent investigation into Montgomery's death. If this doesn't convince the FBI to take over this case immediately, I do not know what will. It hurts. For Montgomery's aunt, the push for transparency is personal. I take this seriously because I, I've sacrificed my life and I actually went to war and fought and got injured in combat. Tamika Light tells us she served 13 years in the Army and was awarded a Purple Heart for her time deployed in Afghanistan. For my niece to be in a peacetime situation, no conflict at all, and to lose her life, yeah, you failed my niece, is what I feel. You failed her. That feeling leading her to a new battle she never expected to fight. I am angry. Denisha meant everything to us, this whole entire family. And... I want to make sure that my niece's death is not in vain. You want the truth. I want the whole truth, nothing but the truth. No matter how ugly the truth may be, we want the truth. So, folks, I want to tell you guys right now that, let me put myself back on the camera. I'm going to tell you guys right now, the Trigger Warning Talk podcast covers cases not only of people that are missing, kidnapping, runaway, abduction. We also do stories of those that are not missing, but they died under some mysterious circumstance. So we've covered the case of Christian Ferguson when I interviewed his mom, Theta Person. We talked about because to this day, he's been missing since 2003. His body's never been found. He was nine years old, special needs kid. Uh, we covered that case. We also covered the case of Donye Jones in that particular interview, who was a Ferguson activist after the Mike Brown killing by Officer Darren Wilson. He was found hanging in his backyard by family members. To this day, his killer or killers haven't been brought to justice. Nobody officially knows who they are. But we covered this story. We're covering Denisha Montgomery's story because her killer or killers have not been brought to justice. And we want to seek and bring the same media attention and energy to 
make those or that person accountable for their action and that her family gets to have a sense of peace knowing that justice was served. We're going to have a part three to this podcast and we'll have another, we'll showcase another missing person case. But just be aware that not all the missing person cases that we do are going to be a person that's actually missing. It might be their killer or killers haven't been brought to justice. For Dr. Tori Williams, I'm your brother, your host, LP, the Fire Medic CEO. And as always, live in awareness, never live in fear, keep your head on the swivel, have a wider point of view on any topic that you find yourself in conversations about. And don't limit yourself to anything because your mind can go into all kinds of directions and just stay focused. LP out.